Welcome to the Absite Smackdown Podcast. We'll talk clinical scenarios, interesting Absite facts, and interesting general surgery knowledge. Now, let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome back. It's me, Jessica, your host of Absite Smackdown Podcast. And with me, as always, is Dr. David Kashmir, and we have a guest today. Hi, Dr. Lee. Hi, it's very good to be here. Uh, we're so happy to have you. Dr. Kashmir, can you tell us about Dr. Oh, wait, I didn't even say hi to you. How rude am I today? <laughs> hi, Dr. K. I'm just slowly fading into the background, <laughs> Jessica, just slowly. I have a certain set of skills just disappearing. <laughs> um, yeah, welcome to Dr. Colton Lee. Dr. Colton Lee is a third-year uh, resident in the Valley Health Consortium Residency out of Las Vegas. He's interested in trauma and acute care surgery, but, of course, is focused on completing general surgical residency and learning uh, the, all the things it takes to be a good general surgeon. We appreciate it. He's part of the Absite SmackDown team, uh, and we're really excited because this year he's helping on so many of the different uh, chapters in the review book. And he's nice enough to say, sure, I'll, I'd like to come on the program, talk about the experience and kind of prepping and how he preps for the Absite, especially in the uh, age of COVID. And then uh, Dr. Lee was nice enough to say, uh, Jessica, that we could run through a scenario uh, just for review, for absite review, and that's going to be a thyroid case today. So there we go. That's Dr. Colton Lee, and you may hear or see his dogs, Bo and Ramey. Uh, they kind of come through sometimes, so you may be able to see them around, but if not, uh, he enjoys taking them and getting outside in Las Vegas. Okay, so Dr. Lee, like Dr. Kashmir touched on, you are helping us with a lot of things on the book this year. Today, we're just going to focus on the thyroid because you are doing three chapters, but we're going to you know, we can't fit them all on a podcast, so we're going to do just one with the thyroid today. And then also, obviously, because you're a resident and this is what we do, we're going to talk about your experiences with taking the Absite test, and especially this last year, because we can't not talk about it, can we? So, all right. Um, so let's just get started. What made you decide to choose the thyroid chapter of all the chapters to contribute to? Well, I'll be honest with you. I actually chose thyroid because it's one of the things that I'm weakest in. Uh, I think it's important for us to choose and kind of focus on things that, that we're not good at because. The Absite Smackdown podcast. Visit the Smackdown at AbsiteSmackdown.com. So as Dr. K mentioned, uh, I'm interested in trauma and critical care. And so it's fun to study those things. And those are things that I want to read about. Um, the thyroid isn't always the most glamorous thing, but it's an important topic in, in AppSight, and it's something that I'm not very good at. And I want to take this opportunity to really, you know, learn more and educate myself and do better next year on thyroid questions. So you're using it to push yourself, basically. Oh, good choice. <laughs> okay, so, um, you know, he did say that you're out of Las Vegas, and are you, where are you at right now? Are you there so yeah, I'm here in Vegas. Um, I'm actually, it's one of my days off. Uh, fortunately, they have to give us days off legally <laughs> every now and then. But um, it's been really great being here. Um, and and uh, we are right now, I believe, in a dip in our COVID cases. Uh, and things are, uh, appear to be getting better and picking up here in Vegas. Uh, the vaccine rollout's been going really well. Um, so we, we, um, we, have been operating here in Vegas and picking up our, um, our elective cases and, and just working hard and playing hard. Well, that's good. That was something we had just talked about on previous um, podcast and 
the number of elective cases and doing a little bit less surgery, how that's going to affect you guys this last year. So that's good to hear that it's coming up. Um, so can you really quick, just kind of tell us, so maybe the first time you took the app site, what your experiences was with that. And then let's go into this just last time that you took it with how maybe COVID affected it. So first, yeah, so my first time I got taking app site was obviously my intern year. I was a preliminary intern before I came to the job that I have now. Um, and I did, really didn't do very well, to be honest with you, my first year. Um, there wasn't a lot of accountability uh, that kept studying from day to day. And I realized that's something that's very important. Um, and those are one of the, that's one of the things that I've really stepped up uh, over the last two years to really do better. And I've seen an increase in my score, definitely, just from having the accountability and holding myself to a schedule uh, and having certain goals that I accomplished throughout studying. But this last year, there was a lot more time to study for sure with COVID, it felt like. Right. I don't know if that's because I'm progressing through my training and I'm making it more of a priority to sit down and read every day. Uh, obviously with having a lot of our elective cases canceled, uh, we're still busy uh, with inpatient stuff and people will always come to the ER luckily, you know, mm -hmm. and give us things to do and things to learn on. And so we've had that experience, but I feel like I was able to sit down more um, and take a minute. And I was able to see a lot of things like pulmonary mechanics firsthand that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to see um, with our patients that we've taken care of. Uh, and I've gotten a little dose of, uh, I was studying for step three as well throughout the process. And so I've gotten a little bit of the other, you know, outside surgical, non-surgical medical things throughout the time as well. Yeah, that's, that's definitely been a running theme this year. So after you took the first one and, you know, we hear that often, even though people don't like to admit that they don't do well, especially in the medical field, but we do hear that often that the first one they don't do as well. And you have to kind of evaluate yourself and say, why didn't I do well? And like, mm -hmm. if you can figure that out and then take the steps and make the changes. So you said for you it was accountability. Like it was just, you didn't realize how important studying was, or you thought you knew it or you got there and you didn't know the info. What do you think it was? I think that as a prelim resident, I was really focused on getting a job in a categorical position, uh, which came through ultimately. But I focused on being the best resident I could be. And I did not recognize at the time that that included taking time and studying uh, and being prepared uh, and, and not just worrying about, you know, when the work was going to be done and worrying about, you know, notes and orders and this and that, um, which is very important. Obviously, we're here to take care of people and do the right thing for people. But you have to recognize as well that you can't take care of people until you start to learn and educate yourself because you don't know what you don't know. Right. You don't know what you don't know. Dr. Kashmir, um, is that something that you've seen a lot with some of your residents when they're new? Yeah. Uh, and not just when they're new, it's something we have to guard against for our whole career. The Absite Smackdown podcast, bringing you the best for your Absite review. There's something called the Dunning-Curig uh, Dunning effect. It's an effect that comes to us from uh, psychology, but what we hear about in graduate medical education all the time. And it's this idea of illusory superiority. Uh, what that means is uh, people who don't do well on things also tend to lack the ability to recognize why they're not doing well on things and that they're an underperformer. Uh, they tend to think they're overperformers. Uh, and that's a problem. So it's called illusory superiority or the Dunning-Curig effect. We try to guard ourselves against that. Like he said, that's like Colton said, it's almost like you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, if you've just never even seen the beginning, the tip of the iceberg, you sure don't know there's even an iceberg there. 
right. it's a lot like that. So, you know, what he said really uh, fits, I think, with that idea of illusory superiority or the Dunning-Keurig uh, effect. Do you think that's more prevalent in um, your profession just because you guys are all overachievers, obviously, your doctors, like you can't get into medical school or become surgical residents or anything without having that mentality. So that sometimes because you work so hard and you're so dedicated, you don't see hmm. what's around you. That's a really good question. Um, you know, I know he joked around before Jessica, I only ask really good questions. Those are the only kind of, <laughs> but I got to say, I don't know. Uh, you know, the people who get into healthcare, are for the most part all super dedicated, very intelligent. And so if you underperform on the ab site, the reasons why are so broad and it's so few questions that separates people who are low scorers versus higher. It's really tough to say, but I'll tell you, it's something I'm going to be thinking about because it's a really interesting question. Okay. All right. Colton, do you have anything to add to that? Sorry, Dr. Lee. <laughs> I just like your first name. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. Um, I mean, he really kind of hits the nail on the head with it. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so um, back to what you're doing for us. So because you're doing the thyroid chapter and it is for version three, version three, we are touching a little bit on COVID because we have to and all that stuff. Um, what changes do you think besides just upside, but just to your education and how you've learned this year, do you think COVID has affected and do you feel like everyone around you has adapted and we're ready for it and have made those steps? Or do you still see things that we need to do and change to make the future better? One big thing, believe it or not, that I've noticed as a learner during COVID is the absence of family uh, at the patient's bedside. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's really created a stark contrast. Uh, we're allowing patients to have their families now again, one visitor at a time. Right. But to have a family member at bedside versus not have a family member at bedside and for a patient not to be able to have uh, multidisciplinary rounds with you know the entire family present and being able to really communicate these things to the whole group at once mm -hmm. has led to a lot of breakdown of communication, uh, mm -hmm. causing ultimately patients uh, to have some confusion about their plan and things like that. And I think it's important for us to always remember that we're not just treating the person in front of us. Uh, there's a whole family of people behind them and their support system as well, especially in surgery, uh, because there's a lot of trust that they place in their, their care team, right. uh, especially when they can't speak for themselves in the operating room and, as, and especially complex patients. Mm. Uh, I've been privy, obviously, to a lot of end-of-life discussions with COVID, unfortunately, uh, and I've gotten to really build those skills as a resident, which has been one blessing through COVID. That's something that I will be dealing with as a trauma and critical care physician in the future. Um, so I'm thankful for the opportunity. Obviously, it's not something that I wanted in my learning. It's not something that we look forward to, but it's an important part of the patient's, you know, care. And right. we have to be cognizant of these things. So I think that is one blessing that's come out of COVID. Now, um, obviously, now that things are wrapping up and the patient's uh, families are coming back, the communication's improving. Uh, and it's something that we've worked on. Uh, but I want to make sure and always point out to my learners whenever I'm an upper level resident and whenever I'm an attending uh, that's an important part of their care. Right. Um, do you feel like, and this is just my curiosity here. So during COVID when we couldn't have people there, the families weren't in the room, they weren't visiting. Um, do you feel like that at all affected recovery for some of the patients, not having people that love them that are there and like the support and just being around strangers all the time? This is just me personally asking. No, I, think it, I think it does because 
the family does help uh, getting back to accountability. The family helps hold the patient accountable and knows what expectations we have of the patient when they go home and what they're capable of from working with physical therapy. So it's hard to say in the hospital what effects it had. I could tell you that patients were ready to go home and see their family and they were able to FaceTime luckily with our hospital system, but it doesn't sound the same as having someone there at your bedside. But I think that it really did affect their morale, uh, which ultimately does affect healing if they're not in the right, right headspace. Right. It does make me thankful for, you know, programs like zoom and the FaceTime and all that, that something like this, even though it's terrible and we're so done with COVID, but that we had all these opportunities in place to still have connections, still get education, just technology. It keeps going forward and we're catching up with it. And it's been so useful during this whole thing. I can't imagine without zoom, without, um, you know, what we would have done, how it, how it would have happened. So it's pretty amazing to me that we have these opportunities and how different it is for you. Um, you know, we have some of our, um, I'm not, I don't want to say old, but like just more mature (laughs) doctors and attendings that we talk to sometimes and their experience as going through their residency with what they had compared to what you guys have. It's so vastly different. And, um, I just, I think it's so Thank cool you for you thank you for not calling me old, Jessica. I'm right here. I'm right, <laughs> I'm right here. Thanks. Zoom has really also been an asset for learners during this entire you know uh, pandemic because I believe Dr. Palacio a few weeks ago, whenever he was on the podcast, mentioned that we do our conferences where we zoom in from Texas right. to Las Vegas. Right, and it gives you the ability to have that sense of community where I'm in an away rotation, but I'm still able to see my friends and co-residents right. uh, once a week, and we have that time to stay centered and and really make sure everyone's on the same page. So how often are you in McAllen versus Vegas? We are going to be there as second years and fourth years. This is the first year that we're going. So um, I get the opportunity to go as a third year as well to kind of get a taste of everything. Since next time I go, I'll be the chief resident and you can't really be chief resident in a hospital. You've never (laughs) been here before. Uh, But uh, we will spend three months as a second year and three months as a fourth year. That's so nifty. So uh, So Colton uh, brought up something that I know, Jessica, you want to touch on that I do too. And that is uh, the available resources and what he felt has made a difference. And you all have spoken about Zoom and the ability to function at a distance. So this brings us to part of the why for Absite Smackdown. You know, the idea being it's a lecture series and course that you can have uh, on your phone or in your car listening to or on an iPad or a computer or whatever. And that there's a book that kind of goes along with that. And when I say kind of, I mean pretty much exactly the lectures uh, follow it. So this year, the the lectures are being redone. I mean, you guys know all this, but the listeners uh, don't. So I'll just share. And it's being expanded some. So what I'm curious for is Dr. Barsoom, uh, uh, Rhonda, when she was on, talked about the fact that she used Absite Smackdown. And I don't know, Colton, whether you use the original or the second edition or neither, but I'm curious what resources, if any, this one or another one, uh, the Instagram account, the social media stuff, all that stuff that gets put out. Did you use any of that for your review or what resources did you use uh, this year for your app site that were maybe different than before? Well, uh, yeah, I briefly, I got into AppSite Smackdown just before I actually took the AppSite, so I didn't have a t- enough time to use it to its full potential. This next year, obviously, I will be um, being involved. Um, but I started to keep question banks on my phone and things like that, and I realized whenever Great I have idea. five minutes here, I can do 10 questions. 
mm-hmm. uh, whether it's not from our score modules or some other resource. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I'm going to have these chapters available, uh, and I'm going to make sure I have, in some form or fashion, the the AppSite book and the podcast, uh, Driving to Work. I have a 15-minute commute to work each oh. bike day. So it's a good opportunity to take a couple minutes and get centered and listen to one topic or another. Right. And if you do that every day, then it, it adds up over time. Right. Yeah. Boy, you hit exactly what Jessica always talks about and what my hope was in helping to make this, that whether it's your drive time or your time on social media, you just get one or two quick facts. Uh, The team tries to put out a lot of free lectures and free content. Matter of fact, most of the work done is to put out free stuff. Uh, The trauma lecture, the colorectal lecture, the small bowel lecture, the thyroid review, they're all right from the book. They're free. They're online on SoundCloud. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. And it's for exactly what you said, Colton, which is, hey, I'm driving to work. You know, I'm going to put the thyroid review on. And speaking of thyroid review, Jessica, is this the time that we... we Yeah, no, definitely. That is the time. Um, Before you start, though, I just did want to mention, because when he said his drive time, when we first started this, remember how we were getting all the like toes in the beach with people having the books at the beach? And those were the pictures we were getting. Now we're getting a lot of pictures of our podcast playing like on the little screen in the car oh. as people are driving. So it's definitely made that turn. I don't know if it's just because people aren't at the beach because of COVID, but they're in their car a lot. I don't know, but I just find that really interesting that yeah. it, it slowly changed from the way we're getting feedback on that. So, but yes, please get into what okay. you need to get into the most interesting part of this. And I'm going to say again, drive safely. You can listen to stuff, but drive safely. You know, listen to the podcast. That's great. We try not to put any sounds in the podcast or anything that's like, you know, going to be a distracted driver thing. But go ahead and, uh, you know, listen uh, and use it. And it's great to see, like you said, people are. And so, Dr. Lee, (laughs) um, like you saw with Dr. Rhonda and like we're doing with everybody, we're adding just absite review type scenarios to all these. And Jessica, Mm -hmm. I think, and the team had a great idea with that. And so today's Uh, You and I are going to talk through a brief scenario, and it just turns out that this is a 35-year-old female, Dr. Lee. You're the guy on call for general surgical consultations at Great Hospital USA. The Absite Smackdown podcast is based on the best-selling review book, Absite Smackdown, the only Absite review with an entire video review course included. Visit AbsiteSmackdown.com and pick it up today. And uh, Great Hospital USA, they paid you to see this 35-year-old female who's an inpatient. You know, she had a CT that happened to include her neck as part of the workup. And including that part of the neck, they happened to notice an incidental thyroid nodule. And they said, you know, maybe this could be an outpatient, but she's here. She's going to be here for a few days. We'll get her hooked into general surgery. And they consult you for this uh, thyroid lesion, this thyroid nodule. How do you proceed? Uh, well, obviously, the first thing I'm going to do is, is go see the patient and have a, have a talk with her. Uh, I would get a pretty complete history and physical. There's some things I definitely want to focus on. Uh, your thyroid touches almost every system in the body. Um, and so there are some hallmark symptoms that you might have. You have hyperthyroidism or hypothyroidism, um, if this is some kind of functional tumor. Um, or uh, if it's not a functional tumor, I want to do, obviously, a physical exam as well. I'm going to ask her some questions uh, about, you know, whether or not she feels like she has a lot of energy, not enough energy. If she's having any issues with her hair, skin, nails, um, things like constipation and diarrhea. You can also have symptoms like that with thyroid. Well, Dr. Colton, just to move us along and save time, I think your focused history and physical is perfect. 
Uh, and it turns out in her case uh, that this is just a truly incidental lesion they found. She really doesn't have any yeah. symptoms. She can't feel anything outside. She incidentally has been a smoker. She's mm -hmm. smoked about two packs per day for uh, at least 15 years, so about a 30 pack year history of smoking, but really not much else. Uh, no family history of anything that you pick up on related to it. And again, on exam, you palpate uh, as best you can the area. You don't feel anything. And she has none of the other hyper hypothyroid uh, type symptoms uh, that you talked about. Uh, she does say she gets a little sweaty sometimes. Uh, mm -hmm. And she thinks sometimes maybe her blood pressures run a little high when she's at the doctor's office. But really, no obvious uh, symptoms that are, are relevant history that you can uh, uh, elicit. So um, where do you go from there? How do you proceed? Um, well, my first step, I believe, in this particular uh, abnormality would be to get a, an ultrasound and just characterize what we have going on. The ultrasound demonstrates approximately um, 0 0.5 centimeter lesion of the left lobe of the thyroid. It's not in proximity to the carotid, really, in particular, any major vascular structures. Uh, it does seem to have a heterogeneous echogenicity throughout it, so uh, different shadows of different varying amounts of uh, density. Uh, and that's the, uh, that's the lesion. How do you proceed? This sounds like something that I would like to do an FNA on. Okay. And when you do your FNA, Dr. Colton, how do you like to do those? Do you do them under ultrasound in general? Do you do them? Uh, this is not going to be one you can feel. Uh, what do you like to do in those situations with these? Um, I think ultrasound would be a good, a good way to guide. Okay. <laughs> And so you, you do, uh, even though this isn't near any vascular structures, like you said, it's not palpable. So uh, with ultrasound guidance and FNA is performed mm -hmm. and uh, they send that off and relatively quickly in the, in the next few days, and she's still an inpatient at this time, okay. uh, you get a result of um, a lesion including amyloid. And they describe the lesion in a lot of other ways, but they really highlight the presence of amyloid. What are your thoughts on that? So I haven't personally seen this, but I do know from reading that this uh, can be associated with medullary thyroid cancer. Okay. So you believe she has medullary thyroid cancer and what surgical uh, recommendation will you make uh, for her as you progress through for her medullary thyroid cancer noted in this? So this is going to be a, ultimately a total thyroid, um, but first I believe there are some associations with MEN syndromes that we're going to have to work through before we go to the operating room. Okay. So because of a concern for MEN syndromes with this medullary carcinoma of the thyroid, you are interested in evaluating her for what additional issues or lesions? Um, so number one on my list is going to be a FIO. Um, we don't want to operate if we have one. Okay. And how do you proceed? I believe that you can get a CT scan first uh, to look for any adrenal lesions if needed. Okay. It turns out on her left adrenal gland, she has a one centimeter lesion in the area and uh, no other obvious lesions uh, in the abdomen or pelvis on your CT. And so what's your next step? Uh, well, now I have to confirm that if it is a FIO, if possible, uh, in a patient who I've seen, um, I would go back and, you know, ask questions that would characterize a FIO. She already said that she had some sweating, uh, flushing or something like that. Um, but as far as laboratory tests, we're going to have to do a 24-hour urine collection. Okay. What urine labs are you looking for? What values are you looking for? The lab calls you, says, hey, you want this urine collection? What, what tests do you want? 
So you're in metanephrines, I believe, uh, VMA, anything like that, things like that. Okay. Well, the urine collection is performed, and it turns out that it is consistent with the presence of a pheochromocytoma. And so she asks you, uh, when you share the results with her, she asks you, doctor, what's the next step? <laughs> so we're going to have to deal with her, uh, her pheo before we take her to the operating room for uh, her medullary thyroid cancer. Both are obviously pressing, but um, I want to go ahead and get her alpha blockaded. Um, and we're going to do beta blockade after that. Uh, but I think she's going to need a laparoscopic adrenalectomy before we, before we do her thyroid. Okay. So your plan is to perform an alpha blockade and then if necessary, uh, have present uh, beta blockade and other medications, including nitroglycerin in the OR if you need it, but alpha before beta. And um, you prepare for the OR and you mentioned a laparoscopic adrenalectomy. Um, tell me about and tell us, our listeners and Jessica and everybody, what are to your mind, besides the medical preparation of the patient, which is key, to your mind, what are the key steps uh, that we that you would perform as part of her laparoscopic adrenalectomy? Um, so one of the most important things is positioning your patient, uh, whether you're going to do them prone or um, on lateral decubitus, uh, depending on which side. Um, you, I do know that you need to ligate the adrenal vein before you ligate the adrenal artery uh, to prevent spillage of catecholamines, which, which can cause a crisis. Yeah. Um, all key steps. I think you nicely highlighted what I considered when I heard about it to be a difficult case uh, when I was a, a late year resident. Actually, you did much better with it than I did the first time I heard it. The amyloid uh, on biopsy really threw me uh, from a, for a loop because I sort of had a moment where I had to say, okay, which carcinoma of the thyroid is that? And then I had to say, okay, hmm, there's a men association there. So I think you, you picked right on, up on it. It's seamless. And I would say for the listeners out there, this is a very classic uh, scenario that comes up all the time and elements of it come up on the app site and then different elements come up uh, on oral boards. So Colton, strong work with it. That's uh, I think a really good uh, description of how to get through that case. Have you seen, even if you haven't seen amyloid and medullary carcinoma thyroid, have you seen anything like this? Have you seen any men patients so far? I have not personally, unfortunately, I mean, well, fortunately, but um, it is something that's very interesting. It's something that's on the outside every year. I mean, the yeah, questions don't go away and there are a lot of different ways they can ask the questions. Um, and it's something that I, I had to take each of the syndromes and write down on flashcards or write them on a bathroom mirror mm -hmm. um, because it's something that's easy to forget, but once, but you will get the questions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jessica, there you have it. If you ever hear about amyloid on a thyroid, you know, nodule biopsy, now you know. Okay. Vital information for me personally, so, right? <laughs> uh, okay. So, again, guys, so uh, we had Dr. Kashmir here with us, Dr. Lee. Dr. Lee is one of our residents that's contributing to version three of Absite Smackdown. He is doing three chapters. He's overachiever. I mean, that's why he's going to be know, head resident next year. So he'll be doing thyroid, pediatrics, and what was the third one, Dr. Lee? Uh, small bowel. Small bowel. Okay, so I'm sure we're going to have to have him on again so we can go through each of these. <laughs> Very he well. Signed up for three. I don't know if he signed up for three, Jessica. I mean, I'm well, I, mean, I like him. I'm going to bring him back. I don't want to okay. talk to you all the time. Well, okay. <laughs> Look, I hear you. Look, I hear you. It's no problem. Well, you're busy. You're a busy man. Eventually, you're going to have to like, you know, F fade into the background. Fade, fade into the background. Certain set of skills. Certain set of skills. Okay. 
All right, guys, thank you so much today. Hey, Dr. Lee, thanks for being here. It's great. Jessica, as always, thanks for hosting. Where do we go from here? Um, that's always an easy one. Hashtag Absite Smackdown. Thanks for listening to the Absite Smackdown podcast. Visit us at absitesmackdown.com for more great Absite facts. 